Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. All right. Welcome, Haley, to a Healthy Push podcast. I am so glad to have you here with me. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I know I told you I've listened to like many of your episodes before, so I'm just so happy you reached out. I'm excited. I love it. I love it. So Haley is on Instagram as your anxious therapist. And when I came across your platform, I immediately thought she gets it. And I, of course, thought she has some lived experience there, like not just a therapist, but a therapist with lived experience, because just the way that you explain things and the way that like it's simple, but it like really resonates. And I'm sure, you know, like people who land on my page, I get all the messages of like, you get it, like you have the same thoughts or the same feelings. And that's, you know, what I felt when I came to your page. So I'm excited to talk to you about health anxiety because it's something that I know many people in my community struggle with, and it's not really something that I ever struggled with. I mean, I had bits and pieces, but not not anything like, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say extreme, but so let's let's just start in general of I'd love to have you share like what it looked like for you because I think everyone's journey obviously looks different but like what did health anxiety look like for you yeah so um growing up I I I mean I struggled with health anxiety for a long time I would say I struggled with general anxiety around that time period or that time frame as well but health anxiety I struggled with it um, since I was young, I I think I remember the one of the first memories when I was like five or six years old. Oh no, sorry, I might have been a couple years older. I'm thinking of a different memory, but I struggled with it for a long time. But this memory that I'm thinking of, I I have not told many people this story, but um, I this one night I. Um, I thought I was choking on a chicken bone. I got an intru- I got a random intrusive thought and that I was choking on a chicken bone when I was younger. I think it might have been seven or eight. I don't remember. Um, but I was really afraid and I could not get that thought out of my head. And I was so worried. I felt like I couldn't swallow. So I was just mm-hmm. so hyper fixated on my bodily sensations. I was like, I'm choking. It doesn't feel right. I felt like I had like a lump in my throat. And it was right after I had eaten dinner with my family. And I remember my parents were trying to assure me that everything was fine. And of course, you didn't choke. You you didn't swallow a chicken bone. You know, you're not choking on anything. But I had convinced myself that I did. And I essentially worried so much about it, I sent myself into like a full-blown panic attack from what I remember, you know, being mm. that young. I, I was just panicking. I was really worried. And uh, my mom didn't really know what to do. So we ended up going to um, 
the doctor, I can't remember if we went to the doctor or the emergency room or something. I don't know. And they uh, did an x-ray. <laughs> like I had an x-ray oh done God. and everything. And they were like, nothing is there. But I was so afraid and so scared of it. And I kept convincing myself that I had swallowed a chicken bone, that I was going to die. And it just... So that was one of the first memories that I had. And at the time, I didn't realize like that could be related to health anxiety. I just was like, you know, it, it was just sort of one of those memories I had. But then it it was a terrifying experience. And I think people who struggle with health anxiety, I'm sure, have had that something, some sort of experience where they've convinced themselves something was terribly wrong and that they were dying. And then, you know, they end up going to the emergency room or the doctor or something, and nothing can convince you that you're okay. You know, nothing can convince you of that. So that was one of my earliest experiences with health anxiety. But then I would say it just sort of snowballed from there. And I remember I would constantly obsess about my health and I think something's wrong with me. What if I have this illness? What if I get this? What if I get cancer? What if I die? And, you know, it, it just, I, I could never feel, like I said, I could never feel assured. And I remember constantly seeking reassurance from whoever I could get it from. And it's like, you'd, you know, you'd go to the doctors, you need to get blood work done and you get things done, but nothing, um, you know, you'd leave, you know, you'd leave there and just feel, okay, you feel like a slight bit of relief, but then you still in the back of your mind, you think something is wrong. <laughs> like you, you just constantly obsess about not only your health, but just your bodily sensations all the time. Like I would just obsess over my breathing. I'd obsess about my heart. Um, I'd obsess about whatever symptoms were happening, I would, I would just sort of obsess about it. And also I remember growing up as well, I would, you know, I'd read stories about people dying young and, you know, oh, this person was this age and they died of a heart attack or they died from this super rare illness or disease. And automatically you think, that means I'm going to get it. I, I know I'm going to get it. If this happened to this person, how do I know that's not going to happen to me? How do I know that I'm not going to get a brain aneurysm? Or how do I know I'm not going to get this disease? What if I have this disease already and I just don't know it yet? So you're struggling and suffering from all of these intrusive thoughts, obsessive thoughts. And that's that was sort of how my life went for a long time <laughs> with health anxiety. And um, I'm sure there's more stories of that, but that, I mean, I struggled with it for years. So it yeah. was more than just general worry that I had on top of that. It was just constant obsessive thoughts about my health and being afraid I was going to die in my sleep um, mm -hmm. all the time. It, it, you just never get any sort of reprieve. And on top of that, I would also not only be afraid for my health, but then the health of other people in my life. So I would always think something is going to happen to them. Are they healthy? Are they okay? Are they going to die? So essentially, <laughs> that was 
those were a lot of the things that I struggled with. And it was definitely hard being a therapist and struggling with that as well. I was like, how can I possibly help other people when like, what if they find out that I struggle with anxiety too? And being a therapist, essentially, you know, in school, you're taught sort of be a blank slate and you don't want to share too much information about yourself. And But I learned over time that that actually helps people relate to you so much more if they know that you've actually been there and you've struggled with it. So, Yeah. I mean, so much that's what drew me to you and is why we're having this conversation. I mean, goodness, you shared so much. I appreciate you sharing all of that. I definitely know you've had to have gone through your own challenges with being a therapist, like you said, and and wanting and thinking maybe you have to keep this stuff in and you can't share it. And God forbid people know that, right, you're a human and that you struggle with things too. And I think it just is so helpful, not only to yourself, but to all the people who you come into contact with and support and treat and just the benefits that it brings to others is huge. So, you know, it's something that you said, you said so many things that resonated with me, but this, it started with one experience. And I think for so many people, they can recall like one traumatic experience or one experience that was really overwhelming. And it just kind of stuck with them from there. And, you know, like you said, there is sort of nothing that could convince me that I was okay. And I feel like this is a lot of what anxiety in general, but of course health anxiety thrives off of, is like you have to know that you're going to be okay at all times. And like when you don't know and there is uncertainty there, you just can't be okay with that. And that I think is really the crux of like how you kind of get through it too is learning to be okay with that uncertainty and not having to have it at all times. But that is so hard, like you said, when you're so attached to the feelings. But I feel, you know, like I can't catch a good breath. I feel like I can't swallow. I feel like I just felt this weird sensation in my body and oh my gosh, like do I have cancer? Like, and it's not just the feelings, right? It's we get so attached to the things that we take in, like the things that we hear and see and read. And like, I'm so glad that you said that too, because I think we're, many of us are very sensitive. Like myself, I read an article and I'm like, oh gosh, and I start to get some thoughts, but it can be really like hard because, you know, it starts with the thoughts sometimes, but then it quickly leads to the feelings and the feelings are so freaking convincing So it's like, what do you do? Like, what do you do with those feelings? Because they feel so real and scary. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, the thoughts and then the feelings, they're just so intertwined. And then comes the behaviors as a result of, I'm feeling super anxious. I'm feeling really scared. And now what do I do to help myself calm down from that? Like, how do I alleviate this anxiety? So then it sort of turns into this cycle of doing certain behaviors like avoidance or um, compulsively checking your body, scanning and monitoring your bodily sensations and Googling your symptoms and asking for reassurance. And all of those things that you're trying to do to alleviate that those 
or those uncomfortable feelings of anxiety and uncertainty and fear are not, they're not um, long lived, basically, like they're very short lived, you know, you might get a small ounce of relief, but then immediately comes those feelings again. So really, it's like you had said, being able to sit with those uncomfortable feelings of uncertainty and it's uncertainty and then the need for control right it's like I need to be able to control the outcome and if I don't address this symptom right now if I don't if I don't go to the doctor if I don't do this thing then I'm going to miss something and I can't prevent this bad thing from happening so you're really trying to learn to acknowledge how you're feeling in those moments and saying, yeah, I'm scared. And it's normal to feel scared, especially if I'm reading an article or if I'm watching a TikTok video about somebody who said they found out they had cancer. And that's, there's so many videos on TikTok that are showing that now. And it's really hard. So you want to just sort of take a step back and acknowledge that, yes, I feel afraid, but that doesn't mean I have to do something about it. You know, there's that sense of urgency, like, because I'm feeling so strongly, I have to do something about it. I have to address it. I have to prevent something from happening. But you just want to slow down and take a step back and not go forward with like, I need to address this right now. I need yeah. to fix it, get rid of it. Right. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. It is. And I think too, you know, when you're struggling with something like health anxiety, you don't often see that your response is very natural to like seeing a diagnosis of cancer on a TikTok. Like you immediately have this like, oh my gosh, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way or it, it causes you to really spiral when for somebody who doesn't even struggle with anxiety or health anxiety, like for me, that would send me into a, a space that's not super healthy. And like you said, I have to slow down and like, I don't need to do anything about this, but I should probably just like get off of TikTok and stop going down <laughs> these holes right now. But, you know, it is that it evo evokes these really strong feelings of I have to do something about it. And you really are convinced. It's like you said at the beginning, it's so good. You know, I went and got the x-ray and it kind of led to this short-term relief because I did something, but it didn't take it away. Like it didn't take the thoughts, the fears, and it didn't stop the things from continuing to pop up. And like, it, it's just, I love how you talked about the behaviors, right? Because I think that's where it gets all of the power, a lot of the power is from, I have to do something about it. So let me then start to Google, what is the likelihood of me getting this type of cancer? You know, it's it's that reassurance, the, you know, I know just in my general anxiety journey with panic and agoraphobia, my go-to is reassurance seeking. Like, if somebody can tell me that I'm going to be okay and like if somebody can tell me that nothing bad is going to happen, if I just know for sure that like I'm not going to pass out, <laughs> everything will be okay. And I never got that. Like I never – even if somebody said, right, Shannon, that's so unlikely to happen. Like you're going to be okay. Maybe I felt a little bit better in the moment, but like it didn't take any of that away. Like I, I kept cycling through. So – you know, I think those behaviors are so important, right? But it's like, how do you 
I think a lot of people know, right? Like it's not super healthy for me to be Googling. It's not super healthy for me to be checking and scanning. But like, how do I not do that stuff? Because it is, when the feelings are there, they're pretty darn convincing. Like I, I do have to actually do something with this. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's. I'm glad you mentioned that because I always get those questions. Or people are asking, how do I stop doing that? And really, the first step you have to take is to be aware of when you're doing it in the first place. And I tell people that all the time. You know, are you even aware of all the times you're checking? If you're checking your pulse hundred times a day, are you accounting for those hundred times that you've done it? Are you aware that you're doing it? Or has it become such an automatic behavior that mm. you you aren't even aware that you're doing it in the moment? So really catching yourself when you're about – well, first catching yourself while you're doing it, and then it can eventually lead to, well, now I'm noticing I'm having the urge to do it. And I'm choosing not to do it. So what I always tell people is to just you know, notice that urge when it comes up, notice that feeling, but then you sort of shift your focus and attention to something else. It's like, oh, I really want to Google this thing right now. What am I going to do? I'm going to try to put my phone down or my laptop down and I'm going to go uh, take out the laundry, you know. From the dryer, I'm going to go wash the dishes or I'm going to go do something else that I was going to do beforehand before I came across this TikTok video or before I started noticing my heart was racing and now I need to go check my Fitbit. I would even say take off the Fitbit and the Apple Watches because that can help prevent you from checking because then you don't have the thing that would let you know what your heart rate is. Even if you're checking your pulse on your neck, you don't know, or you're you're feeling your chest, you don't know what your heart rate actually is. And that is a place where you want to sit with that uncertainty of, I don't know what it is. And I'm just going to have to sit with that without checking. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Because I think like everything that you said, spot on, I think you know, you have to slow down. You have to be aware that you're even doing these things. Because I think oftentimes – you know, when, when I start off with students in my program, they're especially like safety behaviors. I don't I don't really think I have any. And, you know, the obvious one always comes out as avoidance. But then when they really give it time and we start discussing it, it's like, oh, nope, I actually have like five or six or it's more like 20 behaviors that I'm doing <laughs> that are reinforcing the anxiety. And it's so unintentional. It's so you're just really trying to protect yourself. And you really think that by having this control and by knowing, it's going to somehow help you in some way, but it causes you to be so stuck. And so slowing down and having the awareness of just when you're doing it, like huge, I mean, it's it's massive. And I think we do often overlook that step because we're just so, we're on autopilot. It's just like, oh God, I have that feeling. And like, what do I do about it? And it's just like it so quickly happens that you don't even really recognize that you're doing it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you said, it just you just sort of do it automatically and it becomes a habit of checking, monitoring, googling, reassurance seeking. And I remember I would do reassurance seeking with like my husband and I I had to stop myself actually well he he sort of helped with that too because he would not give me the reassurance, which mm -hmm. he would help slow me down by saying, okay, let's like break this down. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
what's really going on? Do you really, you know, like helped reality check me for a moment, which I think can be helpful if you have somebody that can, that you are constantly asking for reassurance and for them to not give you that reassurance, it can feel really hard, but actually that would help someone in the long run not to give reassurance. But then, you know, when he would do that for a while, I would catch myself when I had that urge, I was like, it's like that millisecond before you speak, or even if you say, I have a question. And I'm like, nope, hold on, (laughs) wait a second. Like I would have to stop myself. Even if I started to engage in that behavior, it's okay to stop yourself for a moment and say, okay, hold on. (laughs) Am I going to finish this thought or am I going to choose not to ask the question? Or am I going to start to you know, put my hand towards my chest because I'm trying to feel from my heart to see if it feels normal or to see if it's beating really fast? Or am I going to compulsively check my breathing? Or am I going to take that step back and say, hold on, I'm I'm not going to do this. And it takes a lot of practice. And I tell people that it's not something you just do one time and then that's it. It is something you have to consistently do over and over and over again because your brain has to learn that these that you're not going to do this anymore. So you're going to get those signals and those urges to do it and you're going to get that initial fear, but then you have to take that step back, bring your awareness to what's happening in the moment, and then sort of shift and redirect your focus to something else other than whatever it is that you're doing or that you were yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you said that because it is this practice. I think we expect (laughs) if I just do the right things, right? Like if I do what you're telling me, Haley, and I just slow down and I resist and then I shift my behavior, like it's magically going to get better quickly. And it's like, no, think of how many times you've been responding in this way. And so it's really hard to get your brain to shift and, and, you know, break down these pathways and create new ones that don't have you automatically doing those things. And I'm glad that you brought up the, that your spouse sort of helped you to, you know, respond in a healthy way where he wasn't going to give you the reassurance that you wanted because it's like, we think we need it. Like I I need it. I need you to tell me like I'm going to be okay or nothing bad is going to happen. And it's like, we don't need that. We want it. But that's part of that sitting with the uncertainty of like, I don't need it and I can sit with the uncomfortable feelings. And, you know, I always tell people, if you look externally, you're going to go down even more rabbit holes and you're going to feel like, I don't got this. Like putting all that power and trust outside of yourself is going to make you even more anxious and less confident that you can actually handle the feelings. But, you know, just this, I don't have to check, right? I don't have to do anything about it. It sounds so simple. Like that's that's just it. Like you just tell me I have to be aware, I have to resist doing, and I just like have to get back to what I was doing. Like it's it's oftentimes the really simple stuff, right? That helps us the most, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. It is it is really really hard. And sitting with that uncertainty is really hard. And I think, you know, I just want people to recognize that because I think as simple as things can sound sometimes, simple doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) So, you know, I think sometimes I'm sure in working with people, right, you 
you know, people have had habits and behaviors that they've been doing for a long time. And I think sometimes you can have moments where you recognize, oh, I, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like I knew I shouldn't have checked or I, I knew I shouldn't have gone to Google. Like, what do you say to that if people are like, oh, I did that and I knew I shouldn't have. Like I, I messed up. Like I'm, I'm back at square one or I've taken, you know, steps back. Like what, it, what is your response to something like that? I, I always tell people you're not at square one. You know, we often think that because we had a setback or we engaged in a behavior that we knew we shouldn't have done, that that automatically means, oh, I, all my progress is ruined. I'm back at square one. Um, it's completely over and they sort of give up hope. But I try to reframe it for them and say, you're still on the right path. Just because even if it took you took a minor step back, that we can spin it into something positive because at least you were aware of it, you noticed it, and we use that for the next time. Now that you're aware of it, you can work on it another time. You know, don't it doesn't mean you're going to fall back into all these old patterns and behaviors. There are times that I can find myself slipping back into an old pattern or behavior. And I think that's just the human experience where we catch ourselves and we're like, okay, hold on. I'm not going to go down that path again. Even if you start to feel yourself doing that, or even if you ask for reassurance one time, you know, it's not about being perfect at it. And I always try to remind people that you don't need to be perfect at never asking for reassurance. I think everyone to some extent has asked for reassurance at some point in their life, whether they had health anxiety or, you know, panic disorder or generalized anxiety. Everyone has asked for reassurance at some point. Everyone has Googled something before that they know they shouldn't have done. So I always just try to remind people, don't don't beat yourself up over it. It's you you have to try to reframe it in a positive way. And it can be hard for them to see that. So I try to be that person for them to remind them that this is still a huge win. Like this is a this is a positive thing and you'll work on it. And you know, the next time you might not do it. So we have to just keep moving forward and not throw our hands up and say, all hope is gone. You know, I'm never going to be able to do this or I'm never going to get through this. Yeah, I love that. You have to, you have to let yourself be human. And I'm so glad that you are vulnerable enough to share. Like you still have moments sometimes, right? I think this is part of being human. Like I, you know, having a little one now, I see anything relating to children and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's very quick and easy that my mind will go to certain places and it's natural, right? We all have human brains and they want to go to those places. And it's really just practicing like, no, we're not going there. Like, what was I doing before I had these thoughts and feelings? So something that I want to ask you that I'm really curious about, because I think you hit on it a few minutes ago, and I know it's something that many people struggle with. So with health anxiety can be not just this, I'm worried about my own health and my own well-being and wanting to know that like I'm always going to be okay, but it goes outward to the people around us that we love most and care about most of like I worry about, you know, my mom's health and my sister's health and like I'm really caught up and I want to make sure that like they're okay and that they're always going to be okay. Like can you just give 
you know, a, an insight or a tip, like how can you work through that when it's outward and not so much about yourself? Yeah. And that's, that's hard to tolerate the uncertainty in that aspect as well. Right. Um, especially like you said, if you have kids or if you're worried about your loved, you know, your loved ones, your partner, your spouse, your parents, like, I think that goes back to it being a very normal human experience to be worried about those things. It's just when it becomes to the point where you're constantly ruminating and obsessing over it and it's interfering with your life, it's what I say is like, you're always worried about the the what if, you know, what if this happens? And it's not like, okay, if something is currently happening, I have to figure it out. I have to address it right now. Like my loved one is in the hospital right now. I, of course, you're going to be worried. You're going to be upset, but that is a thing that is happening in the moment. But a lot of times people with health anxiety will worry about something that hasn't even happened yet, you know? And I, what I say is that what you need to tell yourself is in this moment, they're okay. You know, whoever it is that you're worried about in this moment, they are okay. They're alive. They're okay. As far as I know, they're healthy. So going to that next thought is where you're going to get stuck and where you're going to get trapped is like, well, what if something happens to them in the next five minutes? What if they're in the car and they get into a car accident? And then I need to I need to call their phone or I need to do this or I need to make sure they're okay. But you have to remind yourself, where where is the evidence or the proof that something is not wrong? Am I getting a call from the hospital saying something's wrong? So what you have to do is essentially bring yourself back to the present moment, which is another um, aspect of it, which is really hard. But that is something that helped me is saying like, what what do I have? What proof do I have that something is wrong? Of course, I'm going to be worried. And the thing is, you can validate you're always going to be worried about it, but it doesn't always have to be at the forefront of your mind every single day. When it's at the forefront of your mind every day, that's a problem because you're obsessing about it. You're worrying about it. It's interfering with the, your time in the here and now. And I And another part of it is like, if you're, for example, if you're worried about your child, well, I'm I'm sitting here ruminating and worrying about all these what if scenarios, which are all completely valid, but I'm looking outside in my backyard and my child is playing and having fun and laughing and smiling. And I'm, I feel like I'm missing out on those moments because I'm worrying about all these scary things that are happening or that could happen instead of just being in the moment and saying, hey, she's fine. Everything's okay. And that's where I'm at right now. So. Yeah. Oh, that present moment is such a <laughs> important piece because, you know, it's true. I, I remember, you know, a lot of my journey, I always was stuck in the what ifs and I had to remind myself, right? I can't live in that space. I was always trying to figure out for the future and like I can't live in that space. And I would literally tell myself I choose to focus on here right now because this is where I have the control. Like I don't have the control of what could or might happen and I don't need it. But of course, like you said, it's natural to feel upset. Like it's natural to feel those feelings and have some of those scary thoughts. And I think like being humans, right? Of course, we all have these thoughts sometimes and these fears because 
we're humans and we don't want anything to happen. And we always want everyone in, to be okay, including ourselves. And a lot of this, you know, makes sense. So I, so much of what you shared has been so incredibly helpful. I like honestly can't recommend your page enough. You do so many awesome reels and carousel posts that are just so informative and relatable and helpful and practical and just like, trust me guys, you will come to Haley's page and say, yeah, I, she gets it and I feel seen and heard and you will get lots of helpful stuff. So Haley, thank you so much for coming on. And I just, how can people find and connect with you, obviously, if they want to <laughs> check out your Instagram or anything else that you have going on? Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, your.anxious.therapist. And on I'm on TikTok as well. And it's just your anxious therapist. Well, I love it. Yeah, without the dots in there. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> so yes, definitely check Haley out. It's well worth it. And thank you again, Haley, for coming on. It's been wonderful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at a healthy push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.